Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Maxine McFarlane, a Jamaican educator living in the United States of America, and I'm a nurturer of minds and hearts. Last week, I shared my thoughts and experiences with code switching and settled with the fact that I code switched to celebrate my identity. I also shared five reasons why people code switch. I'll go over them quickly here. One, it's inadvertent or unintentional. Two, we want to fit in. Three, we want to get something. Four, we want to say something in secret. Or five, it helps us convey a thought. This week, I have two very special guests whose insightful perspectives brought more depth to the conversation about code switching. I am delighted that my nephew, Bradley Hutchinson, and my son, Malik McFarlane, consented to join the conversation. Bradley J. Hutchinson is a first-year master's student at Southern Adventist University. He recently completed his bachelor's in family system psychology and is now pursuing a degree in clinical mental health counseling. During his college experiences, he served as a resident assistant, student dean, vice president of the Black Christian Union Club, and other student organizations. His passions involved creative writing and photography for his writing page and hosting the Be More Vocal podcast, but ultimately seeks to be of service to others and provide an environment for others to be their best selves. Malik L. McFarlane is a third-year undergraduate student at Wake Forest University. He is majoring in chemistry with a concentration in medicinal chemistry and drug discovery. He's involved in multiple organizations on campus, including being a tour guide, serving as a resident advisor for about 25 residents, co-president of a leadership honor society, and a tutor for chemistry. His dream career is to become a surgeon, but he also wants to keep his musical talent alive in whatever form that takes. He plays the piano, flute, is learning the guitar, and making his own music as well. These two university students have their own experiences with code switching and share their thoughts openly on this topic. Listen to our conversation on the other side of this. we do the joy of learning brings the light to for parents and teachers everywhere let's show our children how much we care rich experience i bring to you have you joined to share your passion too oh it's the joy Gentlemen, welcome to the Teacher's Tribe podcast. It's been months in the making. We've been trying to get this done, and I'm happy that it's finally happening. I'm happy we've moved from talking about it to actually doing it, because this is a, I think this is going to be a good episode. Definitely. I've been looking forward to this for a really, really long time, and I'm really excited to see what we're going to get into and how we're going to break down this topic. Great, great, great. So last week, I gave my own thoughts on 
code switching, but I wonder which of you two scholars will be willing to define code switching for me or, you know, how you interpret it. What is code switching? I think we can both break it down. Do you want to start, Malik? Yeah, I'll go ahead. So basically the way that I think about code switching is just uh, altering my speech and the way I use language to fit a certain environment that I get into, whether it's uh, just different people, uh, different identities and things like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think my definition of code switching would be any situation where you try to change how you present yourself or how you differ your form of communication. And that can be based on comfortability. It can be based on trying to appease to a certain demographic, things like that. Okay. So I, um, I was reviewing an article that I found on NPR that listed five reasons why people code switch. And I want us to go through that list together to see if we can identify, to see which ones we can identify with. So the first reason listed is that it's inadvertent or unintentional. Do you find that that happens? Like you do it without, that's the part that bothers me the most when I code switch unintentionally. I prefer to code switch intention with, um, with intention for a particular purpose. The reason it bothers me is because when it happens, it makes me feel like I'm losing my Jamaicanness, my, my identity. And I find that I do it unintentionally and intentionally in the classroom as a teacher. Because I know if I say words a certain way, I'm going to get, huh, what did you say? What, what are you saying? So I find myself now there's some words that I had to practice to say the way Americans say it. And now I find myself continuing to say it without even thinking about it. Do you find that you slip into that sometimes where it's just inadvertent? I definitely do see the like uh, inadvertent ones, especially when I'm, uh, it's not like I, when I'm intentionally going to somebody new, I intentionally am going to be like, I'm going to sound this way. And this is why I'm sounding this way. It happens also when I'm in situations that I was unprepared for. I tend to switch into very formal and very uh, trying to make a good first impression type of language, just because I know that I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to leave a bad first impression on this person, no matter if this is a, a important situation that I'm in or not. It's just something that I tend to regress to, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I think what you just described, Malik, is actually the second one. Maybe I should have listed all five reasons first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me go through the list. So yeah. number one is inadvertent or in unintentional. The second one is we want to fit in, which is the one I think maybe when you feel uncomfortable, you, tr you do that, Malik. I'm not sure, but that's what came to mind. The third one is we want to get something. Hopefully we don't do that. <laughs> we don't code switch for that reason. And the fourth one, we want to say something in secret. And number five, it helps us convey a thought. So Brad, you want to pick up with the first one and see how that relates to you, the inadvertent, unintentional one? Yeah, for me, I like to think of myself as being very intentional when I code switch. I want to make sure that I'm not necessarily like trying to blend in like how number two stated, but I really want to make sure that I'm communicating as effectively as possible. However, I know sometimes that, especially in my written communication, that doesn't always come across. My boss has this running joke with me where 
she always says that whenever I send emails, I sound like the Jamaican dad, like it's jumping out of me because I'm very reprimanded of like, you know, watch what you do and watch your tone. <laughs> but in all honesty, I'm very much just trying to be professional. And I guess it kind of overextends into coming across as rude sometimes. But overall, yeah, I think I try to just be mindful of when I'm going to enter a code switch so I can make sure that I'm being proper in tone. I'm making sure that I'm not going to be offensive to anybody, but I also want to make sure that I'm in control of it. So it's going to be authentically me instead of just trying to be somebody else, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. I can totally relate to the professional or, you know, making sure that you're being professional in, in a certain setting. I get that sometimes too, because I grew up in a culture where Mr. You gave, you use titles as a mark of respect and coming to America where a lot of the people operate on a first name basis. It took me a while to even adjust to start doing that with my colleagues at work. So I can really understand that. What about number two? We want to fit in. I think maybe what you were saying earlier, Malik, or maybe you can think of another scenario where that one might apply. So uh, I think I can see where the first thing that I said would fit into wanting to fit in, but that's not the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, the first thing that actually came to my mind was most of my interactions at predominantly white institutions where there's not a lot of people who look like me. And the colloquial terms that they will use are very different than the ones I would use. And in order to come off similar to how Bradley was saying, in a more professional or a more uh, acceptable, in terms of them accepting me or understandable way so that they would get what I was saying quicker. I would, that's more of an intentional one. And I do see that one as probably the most predominant one out of the five that I use it for, to especially as a first impression tactic to get comfortable around people or make them more comfortable around me. I would definitely agree. I feel like being in a college setting or any kind of school setting, you're always wanting to make good first impressions and really like present yourself as this type of person. So I feel like if you're going to be using any of these methods, it's probably going to be that one a lot more because you want to make sure that, you know, you're not that guy who was running down the hallway screaming like, oh my goodness, what is he? Is he crazy? No, he's Malik. He's a stand-up guy. You know, he's about these things that we talked about in our conversation. Not the Jamaican who I, who I chat, you know, chat any type of way. <laughs> all right. Does that mean that we're all going to plead the fifth on the third one? We we code switch because we want to get something. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna plead the fifth on this one. That's that's most certainly <laughs> happening. What? <laughs> I can say the same thing. Most Wait a minute, you you young men are related <laughs> to me. I never saw this one coming. It's it's not like I. It's definitely more of an ulterior motive, not the main motive, um, in which that would happen. And it's. I think it is tied to the like wanting to fit in, kind of thing. Perfect example is when I was looking to do research on campus. I was definitely interested in most of the the professors I was looking at joining for research, but I also wanted to present myself as if I was very interested and I was like very interested in what they were talking about. So I would go in, use the body language that would portray that I was interested and ask questions and 
come off very professional, even using the Mr. and the Mrs. that I grew up on and kind of using that up until they said otherwise. Just basic like interviewing things, I guess, but it's not like I go around on an everyday basis using those techniques around everybody that I interact with. So I guess there is a getting something out of it, especially when I was thinking about doing research last year, it was also potentially potentially staying for half of the summer and getting paid to be there as well. So, the, I mean, there is a, there's a getting something out of it aspect to it, but it's definitely not the main motive as to why I was doing it. And I don't necessarily think that when you were code switching that it's supposed to be something deceitful. I think it's just a way to feel part of the in crowd because you wouldn't go to somebody and speak patswa to them and expect them to immediately like hear what you're saying and give you proper feedback. I think sometimes you have to kind of play up yourself or play up this kind of energy or vibe in order to really make sure that you're going to get what you want out of the interaction. But I, would you see it as something deceitful? I'm not sure. Not necessarily. I agree, Brad. Although now that while I sat here listening to both of you, I have to say, as, as we say in Jamaica, confession good for the soul. <laughs> because, you know, I started processing it and my mind was like, well, you know what? You actually do that. So you telling the boys to plead the fifth. But whenever I go home, I have to confess. Somehow, I don't know how our people just know that you're not living in the country anymore. And then their radar go off. And I find myself going deep, deep Jamaican, trying to, let's say, for example, I go shopping downtown and I want to buy something and I want to get a good deal. I'm certainly not going to talk in standard Jamaican English to the person that I'm trying to buy from. You know, I want to, to, to let them feel like I'm one of you, even though they somehow they, they can tell <laughs> that you don't live here. But yeah, I actually do. I actually do because I want to get something. I want to get a good deal. I want to get the Jamaican price. I don't want them to sell me the tourist price. Give me the tourist price. That story reminds me of the last time I went down to Jamaica with my dad, I think. We had gone out to country Jamaica and you know they kind of have a different little accents out there. But the way he was speaking, I was like, I know these aren't terms that people are using anymore. He's like, Wagon, general, everything crisp, everything iron, and things like that. And I'm just looking at him like, people don't speak like that in Jamaica anymore. You sound like you're from a different era. So maybe like his attempt at code switching was like to feel as authentically Jamaican as possible. I don't know. It was just humorous to me. I can totally relate. Yes. But because if you don't keep up on the new slangs that are being used there, you're really going to be a misfit. Um, the next one, I can start with an example with that one. And I think I kind of enjoy this one, just having the asset of of knowing and being able to talk Patois. Years ago, when my mother lived in New York, my one of my cousins and I, we were on the train heading down into the city, into Manhattan. And different people, you know, got on the train heading to work, different places. And, you know, in New York City, you find so much diversity. So people were talking different languages and out of the blue, she turned around to me and said, so Maxine, and went into this long string of whatever the Jamaican expression was. And then I realized she was trying to engage me in a conversation in Patois, just so that we could have a conversation without others around us know, knowing what we were talking about. So I'm guilty of that one too. I don't know if your code switching work in that way since it's not really, 
really a different language. But I, but I know that depending on where you're from in the United States, there might be some expressions that, for example, you, Malik, in a predominantly white institution might be may, might have friends from a different part of the country who may not sound like some of those students in your in your school. Yeah, and that's the uh, that's honestly kind of the interesting aspect of it. For example, I'm in a uh, student organization that is that brings African and Caribbean students together, just a kind of an identity group kind of thing, kind of like a Black student union, but for like African and Caribbean students and. The, the funny thing about it is that even though we're all from very different parts of the Caribbean and all over Africa, if we talk about something that is a, like a phrase or a food item or something like that around other people who are from that same area of the world, we will get the joke. We will get the, the topic that they're talking about. But then if we have white students around us they they may know it but they don't know it like they they know they may know the content that we're talking about but they don't understand the the humor or the the realism behind it and that's the the in secret part of it for me not necessarily like they can't understand what we're saying but they don't understand the depth of the of what we're saying because it's not their identity and they can get the the den the denotation of it as in like oh they're talking about this food or this aspect of their culture, but they haven't lived it, so it doesn't have the same gravity behind it. Okay, I thought Mr. B J had a comment, but obviously not. I mean, I was gonna say Malik definitely knocked it out of the park. He had everything accurate for my experiences as well, so there's not much way on for me. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 that's fine. I just I just paused it just in case you had something to say. And the final thing on the list is it helps us convey a thought. Do you find that you need to code switch in order to convey a thought? I, I can definitely speak on that one. Um, whether it's I'm at home or if I'm around a group of friends who are Caribbean or predominantly Black, there's always something that you you have within your culture community, like Malik was just referring to, that you'll only really understand if you are part of that culture or part of that group. For example, you know, when you're sitting with your your family watching TV and they're like, well, pass me the ting, no? you know, the ting over this. And you're like, what do you mean? They're like, the ting, you know? They could be talking about any which thing, but for some reason, based on how they point or how they push up their lips to point in the direction, you know exactly what they're referring to. Um, there's times where we're like, you know, we're like, yo, I need to put this in a, in a Tupperware or something like that, and, you know, everybody always has the plastic coming through and they're like, oh, I could put this in this, or I could put it in here. Whereas most people are like, oh, do you mean it's a go box? And it's like, no, um, my mom will say the shet pen or something like that, or bring me the, bring me the, what, what do they call it? <laughs> you know, bring me the, I, I don't know. I can't remember the word right now, but there's always some replacement form for whatever it is that you need brought to you. And they're always just switching them in and out, in and out. And it kind of just makes you feel more comfortable in that language because it really expresses the urgency if it's like an important situation like bring me the ting or if it's just yo bring me the ting so I can get this done and you know complete that course of action uh I I Bradley brought up a good point but that was the opposite of where I was gonna go it was gonna be the uh like code switching for other people um and it may not I may not have to code switch to get the thought across 
but I have noticed that people will take me more seriously if I do code switch, even if I say the exact same thing. So if I sound more professional, I guess, for lack of a better word, I can have the same, I could be say the exact same thing word for word or get the same concept across. But if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, they're going to take what I say more, they're going to take it as if, oh, okay, this dude knows what he's talking about or um, like things like that. And that's where I've noticed it more, especially when I'm in positions of uh, like leadership. If I, I start off very like professional sounding because I know that that's what they expect. And then after a certain amount of time, then I'll add in little pieces of my personality into this and then see if this is what they, if they're comfortable with it. And then I can continue to progress until I don't need to co-switch anymore around this group. But it, it, but I do start off very reserved in my personality and then over time I'll add it into it do you feel like you're translating sometimes Malik that you kind of have to be the one to be the mediator in these situations yeah I can I can see that I can see that it's not as often as I think I would as I thought it would be um, mainly because I think my friend group has become very homogenous in terms of not looking like me um so there's not a lot of translating that I need to do because I'm usually the one who's originating it but it has happened before so I can I can see that position has it been like that for you sometimes it has especially when I used to work in different student organizations because you would be part of one group like for example we had our own black student union and we were in charge of preparing for the festival that we had towards the end of the year planning all these events and coordinating it it's a very centric experience when you bring that to administration you're kind of having to say okay, we're not necessarily trying to have a Soka festival, you know, on campus, but we're trying to convey these different elements of it and kind of present it in a way that we're still preserving our cultural roots and the form of expression without losing the meaning or making it appear something that it's not. I think this part is something that comes naturally for me as a teacher relating to my students and even sometimes with the parents in order not to have to over explain things it's easier for me to just code switch and present it in the manner that they would understand instead of instead of trying instead of saying it the way that I would normally say it in my own Jamaican context so sometimes I but the beauty about that kind of situation that I really like is because it's an intentional code switching I think I get maybe annoyed when I have to code switch I prefer when I can choose to code switch. It just brings us a, a kind of negative feeling or connotation to the experience for me because I really get excited when people are able to code switch and do it beautifully. I think of people like Louise Bennett, Coverly that I grew up on. You boys might have heard of Miss Lou, but it was just beautiful to 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 read her poetry, read her writings, and see how well she code switched from standard Jamaican English to Patois and how she brought that to the world stage. So that's what I love about code switching. And that's what I find peace with when I'm doing it. So I guess because the ball is in your court, that's what makes it comfortable for you to do it instead of it being forced upon you. 
I think that's a big piece of it. It's a big piece of it. And I think it's been influenced too by how Jamaicans respond to the whole matter of code switching. I think it's in our culture for us to naturally do it, going from the standard language to the mother tongue. However, it's frowned upon sometimes. Let's say, for example, somebody goes abroad for a short period of time. Miss Lou even has a poem about that and comes back to the island with a strong American accent or British accent or wherever they travel to. That is kind of frowned upon to say that you were just gone for a little time and you have forgotten. And I've always wondered about, about it. How is it that some people migrate, live abroad for a long time, and they maintain their Jamaican accent? And then there are others who, within the first year of migrating, they've lost it. And, and I understand with children, because children pick up accents quickly. So I can understand, but I'm talking about adults here. But then over time, when I realized that my accent has changed, you boys have pointed it out to me, said, Mommy, you don't sound the same anymore. And it bothered me. It, it still bothers me because it was not like a deliberate thing for my accent to switch. However, I know I made some deliberate changes in how I pronounce some words just because of clarity and trying teaching younger children and trying to get them to understand what I'm saying. I think back to my very first year teaching fourth graders and I got so many of those words that I couldn't say easily the American way. And I had to get the students to teach me how to say it. And then I practiced saying it that way just for ease of conversation and for clarity for my students and the parents that I work with. I think it comes down to the environment that you're in. If you're able to keep nurturing that accent, because I think it's largely community-based. If you don't have anybody to practice it with like a language, you're going to lose it eventually. So you have to make sure that you're able to really speak Pato, whether it's on the phone, whether it's watching Jamaican television, possibly consuming that content, but making sure that you're also engaging it and being as authentic as possible. And as you said that, Brad, I think of, I have two co-workers who are Jamaicans, and if we're just passing each other in the hallway, instinctively, I feel myself code switching, but it's an excited kind of code switching. Like, yeah, there's my sister. Well, go on. You know, it just, it just happens naturally and so comfortably. Going back to the list, I think some of that unintentional, inadvertent code switching happens. And when that happens, it can be, it can evoke a positive or a negative feeling depending on the situation. So let's talk a little more about code switching for you. I know we went through the list, but in a general sense, can each of you describe for me what code switching is like in your world as college students, which is where you spend most of your life, or maybe even in your home community? Brad, do you want to start? Um, yeah, I don't mind starting. For me, a lot of my code switching comes in the form of being at work. Um, right now in my schooling, a lot of my classes are online. So unfortunately, I don't have the perk of interacting with people as much as I would like to. But whenever I'm at work, again, I come across as this very stout professional person. <laughs> I'm remembering a story where I went out to eat with one of my coworkers one time and she came up to me and was like, I had no idea you were such a fun person. I thought you were just so boring. <laughs> and I wasn't offended because I was like, I understand what she means. But I always try to be very just professional, like, okay, when I'm at work, I'm in work mode. So I'm going to make sure that I come across as this person. But maybe I do take it too far sometimes. Maybe that's something I need to work on. But overall, 
I code switch into not like, I don't want to say the white voice, but it's more so the professional tone of hello, I'm marketable, people will understand what I'm saying clearly. And I want to make sure that I sound educated on the phone, if I'm talking to people or in my emails. But again, there's always that one every once in a while where I sound like the angry Jamaican parent trying to reprimand somebody. And I'm like, no, I promise I don't feel anything towards you. So I'll usually end off emails with like, have a nice day exclamation point. So I don't sound so, you know, so jarring to some people. But that's probably my most common experience of code switching. Other than that, I'm at home with a lot of Caribbeans, not necessarily Jamaicans, but there's Haitians, Caribbeans, um, Cubans, and I'm able to just be myself and be at home, even interacting with those similar but distinct cultures, if that makes sense. For me, my code switching is kind of like, I like to think of it on a spectrum. And I think I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning where I said like, it kind of depends on how well I know somebody and how comfortable I am around that person. I mentioned it when I was talking about the leadership where like, if I'm just meeting somebody, I'm going to be a lot more formal, a lot more succinct, I think. And a lot, a lot less like slang and just colloquial terms that I would normally use. But as I get to know somebody and they're more comfortable with me being around them, then I'll interject a lot of that more into our conversation and more of my personality can come through. Similar to Bradley, I guess it also, when I'm on the job as an RA, when I'm on duty, I tend to get into that role. And I try to stay as professional as possible, especially when I don't know what I'm going to deal with that day. Being the calm, collected, professional person, if I'm going into a crisis, is needed. So I can't necessarily come off as if I'm upset with the person or irritated that I have to deal with this situation, even if that's not what I'm trying to say, but in the situation, it could come off that way. Just try to limit as much of that as possible. And then I'll go back to all the professional stuff that I've learned and all that things like that. Particularly at a predominantly white institution, it's also pretty common for me to do that just because I don't know how people are going to feel about me using certain phrases and things like that. Like if they don't understand it, are they going to feel comfortable? Or like, if this is going to be a bad impression to this person, not because I want to appease this person, but also I want to know this person. And if this is what it means, at least to start off, and then they get to know me and then they stick around, so be it, I guess. So it's kind of a comfortability thing for me, depending on how I feel and how I think they feel, is how much I do it. I noted that both of you talked about being professional in your work environment. So should I believe then that if you're being authentically yourself, then you might, you run the risk of not being seen as a professional? And if so, how does that impact you? I'd like to think that I'm not being disingenuous when I embody that sort of professional attitude because I think my values are represented a lot more necessarily than the things that I say. So I try to come across as the person that I think I am deep down inside, which is somebody who is professional, committed to the tasks that I have in front of me, somebody who is goal-oriented, all those strength achievement points that you always want to put on your resume and kind of bolster out there. 
but it's not a persona where I'm trying to pretend to be something that I'm not. I think though that code switching is a tool that is used to help convey things a little bit better rather than trying to always play catch up or run back and forth and, you know, telephone like, okay, this is what I really mean. I didn't mean to say this, or this is a thing that we have in my culture and over explaining. It's easier to just code switch, put on that or wear that tool and present yourself as such. I don't think I would come off as unprofessional the way that I would normally act around people that I'm comfortable with, but I also know that there's a possibility with it. And I'm very hesitant to risk it in situations where I will put a lot of effort into like meeting new people, or if I'm in a leadership position, being the one who's directing these people to whatever goal that my leadership is supposed to have. So to kind of limit the possibility of that ever happening, of, of that happening, I will just cut that out at the beginning. I move away from it as quickly as possible because I don't like to do it necessarily. It does feel a little disingenuous when I'm not constantly that professional all the time. I, I joke around. That's just, just, just part of my personality and use colloquialisms and different like slang terms that are like common with people around my age range and people who kind of look like me. So it's not, it's not necessarily the most comfortable thing to do all the time, but I do, I do think it has a purpose. I also think it's unfortunate that in my experience, it's never, it's always the minorities who have to do the code switching and never the other way around. And that's the part that kind of irritates me. You were mentioning earlier that you were more comfortable with code switching if it was the ball was in your court. And I do think that's important to me. And I do think I would be more comfortable if the ball was in my court. But I also just find it uncomfortable that it's never people who are in the majority that have to adapt to those who are in the minority. It's always the other way around, especially when it comes to situations that that uh, require a change in identity in order to feel comfortable. Now, let me try to advocate for the other side, though. How are people who try to code switch to fit in with the minority group, how are they seen? Are they seen as, oh, man, you shouldn't do that? You know, like sometimes you meet somebody and the moment you say you're from Jamaica or they see you in your Jamaica T-shirt and they start trying to say, yeah, man, you know, or saying something like that. Are you really open to receive that? So I know it's on the one hand, we're saying we're the minority trying to fit in, but what happens when the opposite, when, when the, when the majority try to fit in and do something like what I'm describing? I think in that situation, it's kind of difficult to talk about that because the majority are the ones who set the tone and set the environment. So for them to be the ones who say, I want to be part of this in-group now as well. I want to be part of this niche little thing going on over here, it's kind of like, well, why do you want to be part of this? You know, we're going out of our ways already as the minority to present this thought or this feeling or convey this relationship. But you're trying to dismantle that social setting now by, you know, coming in like, Yaman, Wagwan, boy, and things like that. Because if the minority represents themselves as they are 24-7, then there would be, I guess, arguments or dissatisfaction from the majority. So it's kind of backwards to say that I want to be in this thing when it's like code switching isn't necessarily the standard. It's just something that is used. Not like the 
24-7 thing. It's not meant to be continuous or have longevity to it. It's supposed to be turned on and off. I also think it's interesting that the use of code switching, I guess, from the majority is always, one, it's convenient. Like, it's not something that they, it feels a lot more voluntary on their end than it does on uh, minorities. And secondly, like Bradley was saying, they're the ones who are setting the pace as to what is socially acceptable. So much so that if a me as a Black person were to come off as just like talking professionally, I guess, to some people, I would sound like a white person because of, I don't know, proper dictation, I guess. And like that, that setting is that, like a standard is set for such a long time that anyone who doesn't normally look like somebody you would expect to have this specific character trait is considered as a white person or something like that. I think the issue with it from my perspective is that it's voluntary and that the person setting the standard is the one from trying to remove the standard. Yeah, it's really not a level playing field. Talking with these two young men revealed that our code-switching experiences have similarities and differences. Embedded in the thoughts expressed is a deep desire to be ourselves and to show up in the world authentically. It is also evident that in some communities and sectors of society, there's a level of pressure among some groups to modify their speech and behavior in order to gain acceptance or even to be taken seriously. The Jamaican saying, Chaka said the wall no level, is appropriate in this context because, as was highlighted in our conversation, the disparity that exists in society shows that the so-called leveling of the playing field is not consistent. It is interesting to note that they exercise flexibility in their interactions in professional and social settings. Maintaining their authenticity and utilizing code switching as a tool to engage with others and to show up professionally in their roles as leaders. Striking a balance without being disingenuous, yet dealing with that reality that it is the minority that tends to have to code switch in order to fit in. That's a lot for these young men to be constantly juggling. Having conversations with the majority isn't easy, and dismantling that social setting and standard doesn't seem viable. Next week, we will wrap up the conversation as we explore the cultural impact of code switching among various groups of people living in the United States. We'll explore minority culture, ebonics, the weight of using language to demonstrate intelligence, and how cultural acceptance and respect tie into the code switching conversation. I look forward to sharing that with you. Remember to stop by the Teacher's Tribe Instagram or Facebook page to share your thoughts and experiences with code switching. Until next time, walk good and one love. For the joy of learning, subscribe to the Teacher's Tribe.